Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jay here from Stretford Paddock, and this is the Tier 1 Transfer Podcast. Joining me, as always, but from afar this time, is my co-host, Ronaldo Brown. How are we doing, You missed your finger on the lips. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing there. Just... <laughs> We don't need to get into that. Uh, we're not oh, in the studio. You're all, right, all right, mate. You're missing me because yeah, I'm not in the studio today. I'm, I'm at home in the middle of a uh, moving house. But basically, yeah. as many people probably noticed, we did a tier one transfer podcast on Monday with uh, our mate Henry Winter. But we thought now that the transfer windows ended, we'd have a, a little bit of a recap, really. We'd just have a quick yeah. podcast, a recap, because we started this uh, a few months ago, wasn't it? Feels like about five yeah. years ago. But in the summer, we started this podcast and we said, you know, when we can, we'll speak to the, the sort of the most reliable journalists, the, the tier ones, if you, if you want to call them that, which we obviously do, um, and, and get their take on transfers. So during the summer, we spoke to Fabrizio Romano, Christian Falk, Paul Hurst, James Cooper, Simon Peach. Um, small names there, isn't it? Mohamed Bahafsi. <laughs> um, I feel like I, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to miss someone out. There was also, you know, we spoke to people over a journey, Patrick Berger. Uh, we spoke to Peter Rutzler from The Athletic. Um, Sam Lee as well, of course. We spoke to him about City. It's got to be done. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I, I forgive me if I'm uh, I'm missing and out. They spoke to Jay Motti. They did. They spoke to and Ronaldo <laughs> Brown. Oh, we spoke to Darren uh, Lewis as well, as well. Let's not forget Darren, Darren we spoke Lewis. to him about... Uh, yeah, great podcast, race. that one. I, I love that one. It's probably my favourite, mm. the one about racism in football and in sport. Um, but during the summer, we spoke to them all, and we spoke to them all about pretty much the same thing. Jaden Sancho coming to Manchester United. That was the main story we spoke to them about. And at the beginning of the summer, many of them were saying, you know, it looked like it could happen... United were keen for it to happen. Jaden Sancho was keen for it to happen. Um, the sort of Dortmund had named their price. Then the deadline for Dortmund came and went, August the 10th. That didn't happen. Then we started to get more journalists, didn't we, that saying it wasn't looking likely. Christian Falk, I remember saying it was like each day that went past, the chances got slimmer. 
we spoke to some of the guys over in Germany, Patrick Berger, the uh, the correspondent for Sport Irons, not the ex Liverpool player. He said that he felt he could, you know, he covers Dortmund that they weren't willing to sell at all. And then obviously yeah. the the actual deadline came and went, and it it didn't happen. Just look, go and give a bit of a recap. When did you start to think? This ain't going to happen, Jaden Sancho to United. Because we were speaking, weren't we? And we were pretty confident yeah, well, at first. And then it just got less and less likely. And now, obviously, it didn't happen. Now, you know one of the, them where they say the hope is hope that kills? It's one of them where I've been kind of <laughs> I've been kind of pessimistic about it for the past couple of weeks or so, really. Because it just... It's when we hit that stalemate of... I think everyone should have realised that it could possibly not happen from when... It basically said personal terms agreed. I know the jokes about personal terms agreed FC with Jaden Sancho. He basically wanted to move, and all that was holding us back was us giving Dortmund the money that they wanted. And it's it's one of those instances where, from you've got into that stage, it's one more step to go really. And obviously, we heard there was a little bit of awkward um, stuff surrounding like intermediacies or whatever and agents. And apparently that wasn't, well, they've come out recently and said that could have been the issue. The reason why United kind of held on, held off on the Jane and Sancho move was possibly the situation where we pay 120 million to buy him in. And then apparently it would cost nearly 100 million more in, in basically add-ons and other fees. And that's kind of what dissuaded uh, United and the board. But in terms of my own kind of, I don't know, in terms of my opinion, I'm not sure how, confident I was for quite a while now obviously I didn't really show it too much I kind of always held out feeling like maybe we'd pull it off maybe you know they're just trying to hide an engagement right until the end and then pull it off deadline day just to maximize what views sales you know your football is a business so it could very much have been that but it just seemed like United never were prepared to actually get it done to be honest with you it just looked like one of them where Dortmund United butt heads and then from when they butt heads it was basically a done deal like it wasn't going to happen from then and when it came to deadline day I felt like it was a big ask for it to be done right at the end I mean we'll go on to other targets a little bit later but, but it was obvious from everyone we spoke to and, and the journalists we spoke to and they were all sort of saying the same thing that you've got a player here who wants yeah. to come to Manchester United you've got a player that Manchester United need Dortmund have set that price. Everyone knows this. So what, what do you think went wrong there? Do you think it was just United being naive, thinking, oh, Dortmund will lower the price, Dortmund, because of the pandemic, maybe Dortmund will do this? Or do you think it was even a case of Manchester United really and truly had no intention of, of going for it with Jadon Sancho? It was almost like a bit of a smokescreen because I've heard some people saying that, that how, how serious were we about getting this guy if we weren't actually putting in a solid bid that Dortmund were going to accept? Was it just a case of, oh, you know what, we're in for him and then people are distracted from the fact that, you know, we'll get on to what we did sign, who we did sign, sorry, in a minute, but distracted and we don't look at the fact that we haven't spent a lot of money in this, this window? Or do you think it was just a case of United being a little bit naive or arrogant? How do you look at that? Do you know, it is actually very awkward when you do look at it because it's one of those where it you could say United, knowing that the evaluation for... Or the valuation for Jaden Sancho being 120 million pounds, and the fact that we supposedly did go in for a bid of around 91 million pounds, which is a good 30 million away from it, 
and it's it's one of them where people are looking at thinking did United go in and deliberately bid for it well basically give an offer that they knew was going to get rejected but just to in the end say look at least we tried but but realistically did we actually want him or want him enough to kind of pay 30 million pounds extra because I always saw it as if he was going to bid 30 million pounds less and we had that many players you wanted to get rid of what kind of irked me was this, was the scenario where United didn't seemingly seem that progressive in terms of getting rid of the Deadwood or getting rid of the players to kind of help fund the deal we've got more players now that we don't really have in our plans than actually getting in players that we do because obviously we've signed Pellistri, we've signed Diallo, we've signed Cavani, which is relatively a short-term thing because he's 33 years of age now. And you sign Alex Tellez in the left-back area where you've got two other left-backs already. And we've, we've been saying in every single Tier 1 podcast that we don't see left-back as being a huge need. But obviously, that might have changed recently with the recent performances of Luke Shaw and so forth. But it's somewhere where we have depth. It's like it's we've got areas in the pitch where we don't have that much depth, right? Yeah. And what we've done is we've kind of went for areas that supposedly have enough there to maybe get by, but there's bigger needs elsewhere, but we've not actually done that because the biggest need going into transfer window was right wing. We have brought in two youngsters, but they're not they're not finished products. It's like one of those where I look at it as if in transfer windows, especially when you're a club like United and you've got the talent that you do have, because don't get me wrong, we do have talent in the squad. When you are making transfers, you need to make sure that they are not lateral moves. So there's no point bringing in players that are basically even with what you've got already or or less than what you've got already. It only makes sense if you're trying to, if you're trying to get better and you're trying to aim higher, like the way we are, finishing third, finishing Champions League, probably overachieving over and going into obviously a harder level of football this season, you need to make world-class signings. You need to make game-changing signings. You need to make marquee signings. And that's the way I see it. Bringing in the players that we do have, you don't know if it brings that. And Jalen Sancho is basically the sole player, maybe Grealish as well, that could take you a level up. Because when you're looking at other clubs, the likes of City, the likes of Liverpool, um, they, they can afford, in a way, to make more lateral moves in terms of transfers because... You've already got that much talent in the squad, so they're just trying to fill it out off a depth. But when you're United and you're trying to do your play, basically playing catch up and not getting left behind, you can't afford to make those moves. You need to be making moves to get better. So um, it's, it's, it's just it is really frustrating. I don't know how well we do know the board's been very incompetent and, and not shown that much ambition. And we've got every right to be annoyed by that. 100%. It's funny you mentioned Jack Grealish and that seems like a, a lifetime away. But we, were, we were, Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It feels like about four years ago, but we were linked with him. And we, I think it was on our second episode, I think it might have been, of this show, we spoke to, I think James Cooper said that the interest was real, but yeah. and Grealish went and signed a new deal with Villa. And once that happened, it was more or less over. And United had this sort of, there was we spoke other journalists we spoke to as well mentioned that United were sort of focused on Jadon Sancho. But you you look at Grealish as an example there, that had United maybe gone in early 
and gone in hard for Jack Grealish and said to Villa, right, okay, you know, 60 million straight away. Maybe there's, a, you know, Villa might have been tempted, but once he signed that new deal, it was over. And it's also the same with Upper Meccano because we spoke to Mohamed Bahavs, we spoke to Christian Falk, sorry, Christian yeah. Falk, sorry. And he yeah. said that had United gone in early for Deo Upper Meccano, a deal could have been done there, he felt. He felt that, you know, yeah. had United early doors gone, boom, is I don't know, 35, 40 million, then maybe Leipzig would have uh, been up for that. But we didn't, we waited. And then it was like, once we waited, there was no chance. And just finally, even the Gabriel Magalhaes one, which you always forget yeah. about now, don't you? Because, yeah, you always forget about that. Yeah, because he's, he's gone to Arsenal. But we were linked with him. And we rest, tier one journalists were saying, United inquired with him for him. Yeah. At the at the eleventh hour, and sorry, and just one final one before I get back to you. One final one I also forgot. <laughs> Even Thiago Alcantara. Oh. There was United. Every name inquiries. under the sun. You know, sorry. Every name under the sun. It was, and I know a lot of it. I, I know a lot of it is agents say, "Oh, United are in for him." Oh, you know, you better act fast if you're Liverpool or you're whoever or Arsenal, and it helps get a deal done. But it does seem that in some of these cases there were there was a general inquiry, a genuine inquiry. Sorry, where. The, the club or whoever has said I've asked about that player, and it makes you think why we've why we've waited so long, why we've asked at the eleventh hour, why have we gone in and, and made an, an inquiry for a player that's almost already out the door and already got a done deal with someone else, and and it seems that United dragging their heels has really cost us this summer. Yeah, it has. But when you're talking about the centre back, in the fact that Christian Falk came on and said we could have got that over Meccano if we acted fast and acted early. It it makes you kind of feel like did United see centre back as an area that they need improvement? But I felt like even going into the transfer window, even though we had seven centre backs or something along them lines in the club, I'm I'm quite sure centre half was an area that Solskjaer did point out and say we do need a centre half. Like Scarra Neville was saying the same things going into the end of the season. And so it's not one of those where we can be like, let the board off the hook or let United off the hook thinking we had areas of need elsewhere that were more important. That was an area of need. So if you've got young talents like Diop Meccano, he was sensational at the end of last season, especially in Champions League football, which is the pinnacle of world football, really, when it comes to club football. There's no, there's no, real, there's no really excuse for it. You can't really say, oh, what's our scouting network like? What's our... It all comes down to stuff like directorial football, like who's advising these things, who's really making these decisions, because it's it's you let a player like that slip through the net and then in the next transfer windows where everyone's finances catch up, everyone's back on their feet and football's more normal in that sense, then you're gonna get other clubs coming in and making those transfers even more difficult. And then we're trying to bargain now and we're we're not gonna be able to bargain later. One of the clubs are bidding as well, because seven centre halves, whatever whatever we had in, it doesn't matter. If we did act early, then we could have done it. But you can't just react now. It's it's almost as if we've seen our defensive frailties have come out, and a lot of our defensive statistics last year being the best in Europe might just have been a massive facade, and might have just been papering cracks a little bit. And as I basically mentioned earlier in the news, it just seems like United in recent times have a tendency to be more reactive than proactive when it comes to the transfer window. 
I just want to get you on that, um, because we will get to Oli's targets in a minute because we know that Oli had from reports a lot of targets, the players I've mentioned and a couple of others. Um, but in terms of the players we got in and the way we went about it, now the first sort of summer signing was Van der Beek yeah. and me and you, we do the news a lot, we do paper talk, me yeah. most mornings one of us does it or someone else on the channel. Yeah. We do the tier one every week. Sometimes we've done it twice a week. And there was yeah. nothing really leading up to Van der Beek signing that indicated we were going to get him. Like, we spoke, we, we regularly spoke to journalists and no one was saying Van der Beek will be United signing. It sort of started on a Saturday morning and by the Monday, it was almost done. Like, it was like, oh, United could be in for Van der Beek. And on Monday, it was like, done deal. In fact, Sunday night, it was done like that. And Cavani almost came a little bit out of nowhere as well. It was, there was a rumour, maybe Cavani or Luka Jovic. And then next thing you know, Cavani was sort of done. Tellers one dragged on a little bit, but my point I'm get, getting at is with the Van der Beek signing and made it a little less extent the, the, the Cavani signing. Do you think we didn't know about those signings because we spoke to a lot of journalists because they were almost spur the moment decisions, or do you think the club kept it under wraps? How do you see those signings? I don't think our club keeps any transfer interest under wraps. You know, I feel like we try to make it as public as possible, which to a fault. I don't know, obviously, as I said, heightened engagement more excitement. I don't know what it is, but I think with the Van der Beek one, he was kind of linked to us only subtly a few weeks beforehand, but there was literally nothing leading up to it. I think, I think to be fair, sorry, yeah. you, you, you mentioned that. I think Casey had it in his news, didn't he? The week, yeah. the, the, week the, the few days before he said United are looking in, but there was nothing like, this is about to happen, here we go. There was none of that. Nah, not at all. It literally seemed to happen overnight, which... I don't know how, how it did. Well, we do know how basically Van der Sar just basically said, here you go, and signed it off. Exactly. Rang him, CEO. And just that is <laughs> that is not a representation of the way the likes of Matt Judge now, our club works. That is just the fact that we have a friend. It's as the old adage about, I don't know if it is an old adage, it might be a new one, but it's not what you know. It's just who. And that couldn't have been uh, any so that's not new. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, when he was born, <laughs> but it's not like he's even older than me. That's how old he is. You. Yeah, yeah. No, that it, that, that, it can't be any more prevalent than like than it, than it in that basically transfer the fact that it happened overnight. And even that, Donny van der Beek, the area that he came in the pitch, it wasn't an extreme need, was it? But he's just another quality player to add. So depth is never a bad thing. But there were more pressing issues elsewhere. I know Everest come out recently and, said, and looked at that, Donny van der Beek and said, why is he not starting? Did we actually need him? And um, we probably, we do, we did, we did definitely need him because when the drop-off between Bruno Pogba to like other midfielders were too, were too vast. And obviously that, that's kind of narrowed by the signing of Van der Beek. But um, it just came to the situation where we're looking at as if right wing didn't really strengthen there. Got a midfielder who doesn't start. We've got a left back who... We, do we definitely know he's going to start? <laughs> and we got a striker in Cavani, and as if we got full squad, is he starting either? No one's ever thought about that. Um, that's a good point because I think you're right. I think if everyone's fully fit <laughs> and it's a must-win game, like you've got a game where it's City or Liverpool or a cup competition, and you're like, right, I'm going to play my full strength team. Maybe Tellers gets in the, in the side over Luke Shaw or Brandon Williams. 
don't think Cavani breaks in at the front three, if I'm being honest. I don't think Van der Beek gets in the midfield unless Oli plays him as a more of a DM, which he's not, instead of Matic. So you make a good point there. And the point is, we didn't have that. This summer, we expected at least one marquee signing. Like, yeah. Sancho least, would have been... A, yeah. yeah, Sancho's a marquee signing. Even Grealish is a marquee signing. If we hadn't got Sancho, we get Grealish. Jack Grealish comes in here, he's given the number seven shirt. He's a, you know, he's a... Quality player, man. Quality player. He's, a, he's in that superstar mould of the way he plays yeah. and the way he is. Yeah. And everyone's like, all right, then, yeah, you know, this is a this is a great signing for Manchester United. Now, Van der Beek's a good, a, a, a very good signing. I'm glad we got him. He's not a marquee signing by any stretch. Cavani, if we'd have got him five years ago, then that is a marquee yeah. signing. But not at 33 years old when he's a free agent. And let's not kid ourselves, a 15 million euro left left back ain't a, ain't a marquee signing, no matter how, unless he's signing for Altringham. Do you know what I mean? Like, come on. So none <laughs> of these were like the big player where you go, oh, United, you know, United are, uh, are up for this. And that sort of leads me to the next thing, because I know you've covered it a little bit in your news, that all he had his targets, didn't he? Yeah. He had Upper Meccano, he had Grealish, he had um, Sancho. Sancho. We know this. Taylor journalists have, have been speaking about it. Um, he got none of them. He didn't get any. Now, people can say, well, there's a pandemic on. United are losing four million a game. Blah, 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 blah. Everyone's having to deal with the pandemic. I still see, I know Chelsea got rich owners, but yeah. even, and so City, but still. You know, our owners aren't broke. <laughs> no, well, the club's not broke. The club's, well, the club's in debt, but they're taking money out of the club still. And also, yeah. you know, Spurs have spent, the Scousers have spent. Um, have we seen Everton, the table, Jay? Everton have spent. Everton have spent literally. Have you seen the table net spend wise? We've been outspended by like 30 million by the likes of Leeds and Aston Villa. It's just so, it's, um, a, it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. So, um, you know, when we started this this podcast and when we started the summer, almost when we started the channel after the relaunch, yeah, there was so much hope on uh, an expectation over signings. You know, oh maybe maybe if we don't get Sancho, we'll get Grealish. Or we'll at least get up a Meccano or another quality quality defender. Even if it was someone like Benoit Menedashiel, you know, the young lad. Yeah, um, that was briefly yeah. linked to at the start. Yeah, the Monaco lad, I think. Even if we get him, like, oh, you know, that's someone who could come in and play alongside Aaron Maguire and all and get better and better or whatever. We get any of them. Now, I'm not criticising the players we've got because I'm glad we've signed some, yeah. some of them. And I, I did a thing on Cavani yesterday and I think he brings something different to the team. Van der Beek, we need cover when Pogba and Bruno are, uh, are injured or knackered, which they are now. And Sellers, he looks like a great option on left, but as you mentioned there, there's no definite first start, or there's no marquee signing. And we thought there was going to be, and I just wanted to think, you know, what to ask you, whether you, what do you think that says about this board and this board's sort of treatment of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Do you think they've thrown him under the bus? To an extent, um, they have, but it's it, it's kind of, two, two things can be true, as people say. So it can be the board haven't backed Oli enough, and it can be, Ollie's not done enough with what we have. So you can cut two things can go hand in hand, but it's 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 just an instance where this isn't a present thing or it's not a new thing. Past managers we've had in recent times have ordered the same things, saying that they've had targets, they've had wants, they've had needs that the board has not been able to go go through in terms of transfers. And unless they see how it fits them or fits their kind of way. We've obviously had failed marquee signings like Falcao and Di Maria, but, and Sanchez, Alexis Sanchez as well. But 
Van Hal and Mourinho have been past managers that have come out and all the same things that are happening to Solskjaer now is that they've gone into transfer windows with targets with people they've wanted to, to get in and they've not been able to sign any of them. So it's only been thrown under the bus, possibly, yes, but it's been happening for a while now. So I don't know if... I don't know. I feel like the only way to, to possibly improve this or for this to get better is something's got to change up at the top. And that's the only way I can see my club or our club moving forward because it's hard to kind of evaluate managers when they're not being able to get what, what they kind of want because we've seen very, very, very good spells by Oli, but we've seen bad spells as well. So his, his reign's been a bit difficult or his tenure's been quite difficult to to kind of have an opinion on or, or to judge. And obviously it doesn't help now going into a season where nearly everyone around us has, has kicked on and levelled up and then we've seemingly gone backwards. So um, there's no way, there's no way, shape or form we can look at a board and feel like they've backed Oli fully. No matter what you want to say, no matter what you think of Oli, whether you're Pochettino in or whether you're any of that, you cannot honestly sit, stand there or sit there or lie there, whichever one you want to do, and say to yourself, the board has fully backed Oli. And that's basically how I see it. He's been, I think he's been left. How can you go from finishing third, probably over, overachieving, had, having that sensational run of form towards the end of the season? You know you're going into Champions League football. You are miles off City and Liverpool and you want to close the gap. You should be going into the transfer window like a madman, thinking, I'm ambitious. I want to get this squad back up to where it needs to be. I need to get United back to where it needs to be and then have a transfer window like we've had. It just doesn't correlate with me. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, yeah. I think many people have compared it to Jose's last summer at the club. We finished second, albeit 19 points behind City. You need to strength and you need to kick on. They go out and spend 60 million on Riyad Mahrez, break their transfer record. We buy Diogo Delo, Fred, who Josie obviously didn't fancy, and, and a third cho- yeah, and a third choice goalkeeper. I mean, it's it's a joke. Um, just finally, before we wrap up, I want to ask you now because the Sancho thing doesn't even end, mate. You think we've had enough of it this summer? It's still going on because I think it was Romano was saying that United may have competition for him. I think um, it's going to be haunted by him. We are going to be haunted by Jane Sancho. Um, I spoke to, I think it was Constantin Eckner the other day, who's a German journalist, and he was saying that next season, next summer, Chelsea might even be in for Sancho. Um, I know you had it in the news as well about Upamecano. United could go in for him again. Do you see United getting any of these targets that we've missed out on this summer, next summer? Do you think that we are going to go again and we are going to put a proper bid in for Jadon Sancho and that Deo Upamecano could become a Manchester United player next summer? Or do you think we're just going to be sort of scraping around on deadline day next summer bringing in I don't know 40 year old Zlatan or something I think I think next window or next summer like there are two phrases that are going to haunt haunt me because we've been hearing that for quite a while now because some may say that obviously we got Maguire in for 80 million and that might have been a season too late I swear that was a next summer kind of situation as well and then um, Bruno Fernandes was in that like a window or two later than we actually had interest in him. So it just seemed like we seem to do things late, but what United does have is an ego and we are a bit stubborn. So I think the board will look at it or United will look at it thinking we didn't 
make a good account of ourselves in the transfer window. So we're going to do whatever it takes to make up for it next time. That's wishful thinking by me. I don't know if they're going to think that way, but that's how I feel like any sane person would think. We're going to put this right. So would it surprise me if we go and sign Upper McConnell, Jaden Sancho and the likes in the future? No, it wouldn't. Have we gone the difficult way around it? Probably. Do we always go around the difficult way? Probably as well. So um, we don't ever seem to do anything easy anyway, but I do see possibly the board or United or the Glazers, Matt, George, Edward, looking at it and thinking, especially with the next one of games we had, because you might be able to ask me this question in six weeks' time when we kind of see if United do in the next run of games, because we've got a very, very difficult schedule ahead. So it could almost seem like when we do get these players in the future, it could be out of pure desperation as well, which yeah. is, yeah, which is unfortunate. I know we're not trying to be too negative, but we've got to be real. And whenever I see stuff happening when, in terms of the club, I'm going to speak on it. And it's not, we don't know yet, obviously, there's only been a few games, so we don't know whether we're being a bit prisoner of the moment. But from what it looks like from the eye test and visually how our squad looks and how we've looked against the current teams with the games that we have um, going into the next couple of months, it's not pleasant viewing. And if we don't end up getting reinforcements in Jan, I think it could be a problem. So never mind in the next summer, I think Jan might be some might be a situation where if we don't make any progress in terms of who you want to sign, we could be in quite a bit of trouble. And as Henry Winter said on Monday, we're at risk of being left behind. We are indeed, mate. Well said. It is, you know, you know, it is, it is grim, but it's, you know, you're, you're speaking the truth, and uh, I'm with you on that one. I think that we are in danger yeah. of getting left behind, and you don't want to go too melodramatic after three games or whatever it's yeah. been in the league, but. You can't ignore the fact that we have looked well off the pace and the signings, as you mentioned earlier, we made aren't necessarily first team ones. I know they need strengthening, and I'm glad they've come in. Um, but is it enough? I'm very skeptical. And I'll be honest with you, as someone who's back to Laguna Solskjaer since the day he set foot in Old Trafford, both as a player and as a manager, obviously, I'm very worried for him. I really am, especially yeah. you mentioned that run. I mean, that is the run from from hell that yeah. we've got. You know, you've got like massive games every three days. At one point, uh, difficult games, you know, um, Champions League games, games against some of the top teams, games against the teams around us. It ain't going to be easy. And also, I know everyone's got no crowds in this pandemic. I get it. But that's a time when Ollie would want the Old Trafford faithful to be behind him. And we're not going to be there. Um, and I think he could do with us. Because I think, by and large, despite what you might see on social media, and despite the fact that, yes, the crowd will rightly call out the owners, and I've been part of that. I think that we always get behind the manager and we always get behind the team. And I think he needs that now more than ever. Just like he needed signings in the summer now more than ever. But as we've seen before, he didn't get him. You, you were right when you said, you know, Bruno was a, a window too late. And not even a window too late. The end of the window. The end of January. Yeah. After the Burnley defeat. Very reactive, as you, you said earlier, right? So, you know, Haaland, we didn't get him. We get a Gallo on the last day of the January transfer window when he's knocking on his director's door saying, I want to go to Manchester United. We get... Cavani this time round when he's Cavani's been a free agent for months and we've signed him that late he may miss the Newcastle game because of quarantine does someone want to yeah. explain the logic to me you've got a player that he's sat there willing to come at Manchester United he doesn't even have a club and you've waited that long 
he could now miss part of the games you need him for because he's got a quarantine. I think that was. I think they waited last minute because just us being cheap again because we didn't want to. Because we didn't want to pay the extra two hundred fifty grand or whatever for his wages for that week. I mean, it's completely pathetic. Um, so you know, it is sort of a bit deflating. And I'm actually, I, I don't really like international football, but I'm glad we've got a bit of a break from the football because I think the players who aren't playing for England or their countries need a bit of a rest. And I think we all need a rest from it all. Uh, but we will be back with the Tier 1 Transfer Podcast next week. Even though we haven't got many transfers to talk about in terms of who we're going to be signing, there's still, I mean, the window's not shut shut because we can still sign maybe Ishmael Azar or someone from Watford or whatever. But we will be having a guest next week. Um, we're going to be having a, someone we've had on before, very reliable Tier 1 journalist who's going to be t- talking to us about how he felt, feels Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been treated this yeah. summer and what's next for Manchester United. I've been Jay. That's been Ronaldo. This has been the Tier 1 Transfer Podcast. Don't forget to hit like, share and subscribe. Thanks for watching. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.